The Brooklyn Vegan Show is a podcast about music brought to you by the music blog and online record store Brooklyn Vegan. Make sure to subscribe to hear all of our upcoming episodes featuring interviews with musicians and more, and find us 24-7 at brooklynvegan.com, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hey, welcome to the new episode of the Brooklyn Vegan Show. I'm BV editor Andrew Sacker, and today's episode is an interview with the Florida emo and math rock band Pool Kids. Pool Kids just celebrated the one-year anniversary of their self-titled sophomore album, which has become their breakthrough LP, and it's been really a wild year for them since. They've spent so much of it on the road, they've toured with so many great bands, they've come such a long way, and we thought it would be a great idea to get Pool Kids on the show and kind of reflect on how this whole past year has been. They've also got a new EP out, a split with their hardcore alter egos, Pool, featuring two alternate versions of songs from the LP, a song that was written for the LP but not finished and didn't make it on, and then the three hardcore songs by their alter egos. So we talk about that, and we also go a little bit back in time and kind of catch up on some Pool Kids history, talk about how they've gotten to where they are today. I called up Pool Kids while they were on tour on the West Coast. They were uh, running late to a show, and uh, the original plan was to do the interview while they were in the green room, but we had to do it on the road, so sometimes the service goes a little bit in and out. But we did our best, and you know, we hope you enjoy the episode. Um, it was really fun to chat with them, and I think there's a lot of cool stuff in there, even if there are some minor technical difficulties. Before we get to the episode, Listeners of this podcast can get 30% off their first year's membership to DistroKid, which is an awesome service for musicians that allows you to easily upload your music to all major streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Music, and more. It allows you to do automatic revenue splits, so collaborators and co-writers can get paid too. It provides you with an artist page that links to your music on all streaming services. It allows you to add lyrics, credits, liner notes, and more. To get 30% off, Sign up at distrokid.com slash VIP slash Brooklyn Vegan. We've also included the link in the description of this episode, and you can click directly from there. And now, here's my interview with Pool Kids. We have all of Pool Kids here in the band. What's up? Hello. Hi. Hello. So I guess since all four of you here, if everybody wants to just say their name at first, so we can kind of put names to voices when people are. Aiden. Christine, Nicolette, and I'm Andy. What's up? How how are you? Uh, how are you doing? How's tour? Uh, it's really good, except for traffic right now. We are running late to our San Francisco gig. Um, we are not a late band, so um, we don't like being late. But we couldn't help the traffic today, which is also why we're having to do this from the van. <laughs> um, but you know. The tour itself is going great, so spirits are high. So we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the self-titled album. Um, clearly, the band has come a long way since then. Like The album has taken off, the show has gotten bigger. Uh, can you kind of reflect on this past year? Um, this has been the busiest year this band has ever had, for sure, um, which is great. Um, we really wanted to just hit the ground running after the, the record came out. Yeah, and that's much exactly what happened um just lots of touring honestly um we did our first international tour um and just a lot of u.s stuff and now we're on our first headliner so 
yeah, time's going by really fast just because we're so busy, but it's really, really exciting. So it's very fun. Yeah, it's been really cool playing for like a big spread of audiences as well. Like the bands that we've gotten to tour with are pretty diverse. So we've seen a lot of different people at these shows. And it feels like at our shows, there's a really good collection of different people. So it's uh, it's clearly worked for us, which we're really happy about. Yeah, it's it's fun to see like the kids coming up to us at our headliner. Um, we've done so many support tours at this point. All the kids are telling us like, oh, I found you from this tour you opened. I found you from this tour you opened. And it's funny to see it all finally paying off. We like took people from each of those audiences and now have our own audience. So it's nice. Yeah, and I feel like it makes sense. I mean, like, hey, you've toured with like a pretty wide variety of bands, but I feel like it fits with all of them, like in one way or another. Yeah. Um, were there any particular tours uh, where you really noticed, like, oh, like this is catching on, or um, or that impacted the band in some way? Um, the times we opened for the Mountain Goats was really special because it felt like a very different type of audience than what we normally play to and to see the reception like it felt like they were really like listening closely and enjoying it and that felt really special because we didn't know how it was going to be taken since mountain goats is such a different band from cool kids um that one sticks out in particular i don't know if anyone else I, I agree with that one yeah and we're excited because we get to open up again and Pier 17 in New York, which is like the craziest place to play ever. <laughs> so, and now we really um, love the Mountain Goats and being around them. So, we're looking forward to that. Yeah, you just played there with Pup and Beach Bunny, right? That thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that venue. Like, what did you make of it, like being on stage? Like, it was crazy. You could see the friggin' Statue of Liberty, which I was not expecting. I don't know if anyone told me that going into it. Um, and we have no idea. Yeah. We didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. It was insane. And, and it was just beautiful. Like the, you could see the moon. And I also didn't know there was going to be like jumbotrons or whatever you call yeah. it, where they like record you and you're on the screen. So that's the first time that's ever happened. And I just didn't realize how big of a deal it was going to be to play that place until it was happening. And then as it was happening, I regretted, like, I wish I had known because I would have invited like, more family and friends to like come out to that show because it was so special um and i kept thinking like man like i hope we someday get to play here again but i don't know if it's gonna happen and now it's already happening so now i know to invite a bunch of people <laughs> Sick. yeah it's it's a super fun place to see a show it's a very like i feel like the as long as the weather's nice i feel like the vibe is just like really just like fun and relaxing even if it's like you know, like I saw like Rise Against there. So even if it's like a heavier band, it still just feels like chill. Yeah, it feels yeah. like magical, like under the stars on a roof, the Statue of Liberty watching. Bridge, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like every New York monument you can see almost. So you have this new split out with your hardcore alter ego is Pool. Um, so so Pool began as an April Fool's Fool's joke single for charity, and the joke was like kind of a winking reference at Code Orange dropping kids for the name, right? Yeah. We dropped it and then had the caption saying like, we're done with that emo 
bullshit. Like, this is the type of music we made now. So that was technically the April Fool's show. But then, and we didn't take the song super seriously at the time because we honestly just wanted to do the April Fool's joke. Um, but then the response was so incredibly positive that we were like, and people have been asking us for more cool songs ever since, like at shows and online and stuff. And so we sort of knew that someday we had to do something again. And this time around, we took it more seriously because um, we wanted to be able to listen back on the songs and not think they sounded like silly. So, yeah. <laughs> They're still silly, but in They're a good still way silly, now. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I cringe at it a little bit less than the last songs. Um, Not saying that you did it for this reason, but it's obviously like an awesome time for hardcore right now. Um, so it's kind of cool to get that in this moment. Are there any like newer hardcore bands you've been digging? Oh, hell yeah. This all of us have like different favorites. I love Scowl a lot. Um, they're kind of pivoting to more of like the adjacent side of things, but like I just love anything that that band does. Um, yeah. I like paint is cool too. Yeah, I really like what Scowl is like pivoting to. Um, I don't listen to a lot of music like that, honestly. But Scowl is cool, and I like what they're moving towards. Um, uh, not necessarily hardcore, but the Snuffed on Sight record that came out this past week, I really enjoyed. It was like the night drive music. Everybody was asleep, and I was like, I need to stay awake. And it just, it's like ass beating the entire time. I really fuck with this band called Dead Heat from, uh, I think they're from... Oxnard, California, but they're like a crossover thrash hardcore kind of band. And I think they're fucking amazing. Awesome. Would uh would Pool Kids yeah. ever do like a tour with a hardcore band? Oh hell yeah, we would. Absolutely in a heartbeat. Yeah. I, well, are you asking about pool or pool kids? Um I either one, I guess, but I mean, I yeah. think I think it'd be cool if Pool Kids did it, and um, yeah. you know, just because like I feel like we need more mixed genre shows, you know, like yeah, Pool Kids would love to tour with fans like that. Um, pool is sort of up in the air. Like, first of all, we only have like a collective five minutes of music, I think, at this point, and we also like Nicolette and I are not like you know professional screamers we're sort of just fucking around so we really don't know how to like preserve our screaming voices over the course of like a whole tour um our voices were both out after like one day in the studio so you know i don't know and we also do like freestanding vocals when we do that so we'd have to there's so many factors we'd have to find like a bassist and a second guitarist and stuff like that but um but whole kids would love to yes whole kids for sure yeah, yeah we like build stuff. Yeah, that would be sick, I think. Um, so tell me about uh No Stranger. I mean, it's such a cool song. Um, how come it was left off the original album? Um, it was left off because we just hadn't finished it. Um, we had all the instruments down and we actually all of the instruments, everything but the vocals that is in the song was actually recorded um when we were recording the album and just the vocals are what we added from when we were in the studio this time um we just got carried away with finishing all the other songs because we came to the studio i think with 14 songs 14 or 15 yeah i guess 14 and um 
yeah, two. Is it just two that did? Actually, make it? three didn't it was make three. it. Yeah. yeah. So fifteen songs, and three didn't make it, and we we just spent a lot of time on all the others, and I just had a hard time coming up with anything like catchy enough vocally or lyrically. It was sort of hard to write to. Um, yeah, and their studio flooded, which lost us a lot of time. Um, and yeah, we tried to do like I think our last night in the studio, we were like, let's give this a shot. Like the producer was like, let's just like one take, like some atmospheric, like so much reverb. It's inaudible like type vocals where you're just kind of singing like nonsense and I just wrote up a bunch of lyrics like quotes from the rest of the album so that I didn't have to write anything new and we did a go at that and it sounded like kind of cool but it was just not like up to the standards of the rest of the album so we just scrapped it um and then once we decided to do this we didn't really want to put a lot of our like creative juices <laughs> into writing three new kids songs so we did two reworks that were you know different versions that sort of alluded to some earlier demos of those two songs and then we decided to bring back you know strangers since the instruments were already recorded and i finished writing the lyrics actually in the van um while we were touring europe and then as soon as we came back we just like recorded it right away um so yeah that's how it came about well, it sounds awesome. It's like, I feel like instantly one of my favorite Pool Kids songs, honestly. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, I had, you know, Pool Kids top songs on Spotify, just kind of like prepping for the interview. And like that, I guess, is the second song now. Um, And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this one's a classic. Which one is this? And I, I was like, oh, wait, this is the one that came out like last week. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I think that the self-titled obviously introduced a lot of new people to the band. Um, but being that you've been around for a minute, I kind of want to like go back in time for a second, give some background for if anyone's listening and they're like a new convert, um, get some pool kids history. So, um, I guess, Christine, I guess this one's kind of for you, but before pool kids, even what was like kind of the moment or moments that made you realize you wanted to be in a band um so that didn't hit me until I was in college um growing up I was totally not a part of this scene or world at all I was just like playing in a church band and stuff um and then when I got to college I joined the 89 which is FSU's college radio station and I was just kind of like thrown into this whole world and I had to table shows like promoting the radio station. And those were like some of the first shows I had ever been to. And um, I remember I was specifically at a Chastity Belt show um, and just seeing them playing and stuff. I was like, okay, you don't have to be like john petrucci to like you know be able to make this work like they're just you know playing chords and stuff and it sounds great and i had been playing for so many years since i was like 10 so i was like i can definitely do this and um yeah that was kind of the moment that i was like i should i should just be in a band and i wish i'd started earlier um 
yeah, but that was pretty much it. Just going to shows for the radio station in college. So what kind of brought you towards like emo or math rock or like whatever would have been informing that first record? Um, the local shows I was going to with like local bands included a lot of like echo bass, um, which was, you know, an emo band with lots of like tappy stuff and just the energy at those shows was really what drew me to it. Um, I didn't listen to a whole lot of that prior to then, but I just, that's like what I wanted. I was like, I want to be in a sick local band that has everyone like so excited and hype like this. And I was like, I know that I can tap and that also just seems fun. And also part of me felt like I had to sort of prove myself like as a, you know, woman guitarist. I was like, I need to show that I can actually do like, you know, technical stuff. So I was like, I'm just going to write like tappy stuff. <laughs> and that's pretty much how that decision was made, I guess. Nice. Did you end up like going further down that path and like, like diving into other bands like that? Or did you kind of just like a little bit like that's how I like found American football and stuff. Um, I feel like I didn't go like too, too deep down it as some people like think, uh, but a little bit yeah so when you formed it was originally just you and Kaden right yeah. yeah um so tell me about making that first record with just the two of you um it was pretty much like i would just write the guitars and vocals and then i would bring it to Kaden and sometimes i would have to adjust afterwards like he would make like a crazy drum part that I felt like, okay, he's playing something kind of hyped right here. And I pictured it kind of a slow part. So then I would just have to go back and like, I would just amp up the part to make it match his drum part. And that was pretty much the extent of any like experimenting with the songs that happened. Um, I sort of just went with like the first idea on like every single song. Um, and I also felt very like rushed to just get it out because you know, I was paranoid about how I was getting so late to this start. Like, most people have been in bands since, like, high school and stuff. And I was like, I'm just now getting into this. Like, we need music out, like, as soon as possible. So it was, like, sort of rushed. And, like, there just wasn't a lot of experimenting that went on. And then we finally found the right bassist, right guitarist after that record. Um, and we this time in the studio just like experimented a lot more and there was like four heads going into it instead of two and I just think it really shows it's like pretty obvious if you listen to the two albums back it just sounds a lot bigger and like better and all of us like pulled the songs apart and experimented a lot more and I think it made the songs like a lot better yeah um I also feel like I mean it's obviously like more of a pop record um were there like some specific like poppier artists you were listening to that inspired the songwriting on this one yes actually a lot that was like a big goal of mine was to have more like pop structures like actual verses and choruses and things that people could like hang on to rather than everything changing every like 30 seconds um i was listening to like a lot of charlie xcx honestly started getting into like Lady Gaga and certain like Taylor Swift songs um 
and oh and like ring of sawayama a lot um just a lot of like very generic pop and i was just like trying to learn from that um and yeah i do think that's one of the biggest differences too in this record so when you first kind of got going, I mean, it seems like you kind of hit the ground running. Like you, you did your first tour before the debut album was even out. Um, how did you like first get immersed in the local scene and eventually start booking shows like in and then later outside of Florida? So we, when it was just Kaden and I, um, we weren't getting like booked really. It was no one's fault. People just didn't, you know, know about us, I guess. And so I started having shows in my own backyard and would find touring bands from like that Facebook page that's called DIY like tour postings or whatever. And I would just like book bands from there um, and have them play in my backyard in college. And then I would just have cool kids open. <laughs> so that was how we were playing our first shows. And then eventually as like more people started coming to my house shows and stuff, and people started seeing cool kids. Then we started getting booked around town. And um, I'm very much a strong believer in not, like, waiting until tours come to you. You have to, like, make them happen first. I mean, it happens like that for some people. But I was like, we're not just going to get asked on tour. So I was like, I'm going to just book us a tour. I already see how people are doing it on this Facebook page. So I'm just going to do it. And we were in school. Um at this point, Nicolette's in the band, and she was down to tour, um, and we had another friend that was playing guitar for us at the time that was down, and I just, like, during school breaks, like, during the summer, I was, like, cold calling venues from, like, across the country and just waiting until anybody said yes. Like, it was just, like, random bars and stuff, um, and eventually we got, like, a month-long tour out of it. Um, I think the furthest west we got was Texas. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's as far west as we got. But, um, yeah, we, we hit the road touring in two vans, some of the – or two cars, yeah, right? We did, like, a year of it. In, I think three tours of that iteration. We did, like, a tour to Texas, a tour to Philadelphia, and then, like, a month-long one in, like, two cars. Yeah, like – it was it was horrible, honestly. It, that, that's just some of the like worst experiences we've had touring ever, because <laughs> um, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing and we had two cars. Um, but I'm glad we did those because um, after that, then um, Mom Jeans eventually hit us up, and that was like the first like you know real support tour that we got asked to do. And then after that, um, you know, we started getting more. So. That's that's how we started touring. <laughs> yeah. Um. So tell me how this four piece lineup eventually solidified. Um. So like I said, we had like Nicolette was the first and only bassist we ever had. Um. When it was just Kaden and I, we wanted to be very aware of who we band because we didn't want to like. We actually had experiences playing Kate and I in a band right before this that like didn't work out because the people in it ended up being shitty people and then it ruined all the hard work we had worked on in that band. So then him and I stayed together as bandmates and we're like, all right, whoever we let in has to be like a good person that's also good at their instrument because like we can't deal with that happening again. Yeah. So finally Nicolette came along. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I met Caden through Caden and I played in another band together very briefly. And like, that's how I met him. And then Christina and I met at our college radio station and we worked a job, a really shitty college job together. And that's how we became friends. Yeah. The job that I'm referring to in arm's length is the job that her and I were working at together. Yeah. <laughs> and then we finally met Andy. We had two different guitar players that were both awesome and like really good friends of ours, but they, one of them couldn't tour because he was like a Sunday gospel musician and was like, that was his income. And he's like, sorry guys, I can't miss Sundays. And the other one had moved away and was just like too busy to like keep up with the band stuff. But we met Andy um, by playing a show with his other, some of his other bands. I'll let someone else take that. You want to explain, Andy, how you met us? Uh, yeah, I saw them a handful of times in Tallahassee when my other bands would tour through. And I always really liked them. And I liked that they, they seemed like they were willing to put in the work, which I really respect. And uh, Christine started dating my best friend, and then we became close friends. And the opportunity to tour with them came up and I was like, I will tour with you, but I think I should just play guitar in your band. Yeah. I um, kind of invited myself in. Yeah, but we were happy to have him. He's been here since. So. Yeah. So he's he's the permanent guitarist now. So this is the first real official full page lineup. <laughs> and Andy, you were in uh you blew it, right? Yep. We're uh I guess this question's for the rest of you, but were you guys, you blew it fans before meeting Andy? Um, I actually didn't really listen to them other than we did play them at the radio station. I remember which release it was, but I mean, I knew of them and I knew they were like a big deal. And I was flattered to hear that he likes <laughs> our band. <laughs> yeah. I barely heard of them before I like joined the college radio station and like, joined this band i like didn't really know anything about emo until i was like 20 or something like that so but yeah. I it. and then my friend group like i was always been like really immersed in like Florida diy and so i knew a few people and then like my friend group really liked to play them in high school and so eventually when i caught that up that andy like cool kids i thought i was like super excited yeah awesome uh so andy um like you know i i guess I feel like the kind of peak you blew it era and then the era we're in now for emo are like, how would you compare them? Uh, well, this one's a lot more diverse. That's for sure. Um, back in like, you know, 2014, 15, when the whole like emo revival thing was happening, like all the bands were just like four dudes. And it was just, I don't know, it felt like kind of the same thing in every band. And now I look around and like all the bands are super diverse. There's not dead. There's like, you know, it's just a lot more interesting. I feel like the music is also a lot more diverse because those different people are bringing in like different um, the influences of their own beyond just like and mineral. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been really fun. And uh, boring is a lot different now as well i feel like the bands are treated a little bit more fairly as far as like pay and stuff <laughs> yeah um i definitely feel like you know everything you said i agree with like um what do you make of i guess the whole uh fifth wave emo 
thing getting thrown around? You know, I don't really, I don't really like all the different like names of the waves and stuff. It just, it all feels like one thing for me, I guess because of my proximity to it, but it's, it's interesting. There's like a lot of really great bands right now and that's awesome. We sort of feel like the, uh, like scripters of like fifth wave emo. It almost seems like it's describing like a social group rather than an actual sound. Cause like all the bands they describe as fifth wave emo, a lot of them sound so different from each other, but they're just bands that you see interacting with each other on Twitter. So it almost seems like more of a weird, like social group rather than an actual like description of like a sound of music. But yeah, I feel like, uh, like origami angel boyo cool kids insignificant other like all those bands all sound very different from one another yet we get like all lumped in together as this one thing but just because we're like friends and have gone yeah together but yeah Yeah, i mean it is interesting because like i guess the bands that get called that are all kind of bands who like kind of hit their stride when there weren't shows happening um so as far as those like twitter relationships go i mean i feel like i don't know maybe like that like i mean i think about this all the time like and i don't have the answers i'm just like thinking out loud but i wonder if that sort of era of like well we can't play shows so we'll have to like make a scene on the internet like if that has anything to do with it even more so than like the exact style of music yeah i wonder yeah i think the roots were there like Mm pre-covid and of you know everyone's fixation on the internet for that time when we were all staying at home like it just really strengthened itself very quickly had to start making up genres yeah (laughs) and i think everyone was allowed to like go out and play shows again it was just that everyone was like so pent up that we all went out really hard all at the same time so i think that kind of makes up that uh that descriptor yeah, and it does feel like there's like a real like just energy in this new generation. Like I went to the Origami Angel Pool Kids show at Elsewhere. Um oh. and like first of all, it was just like so good and so crazy. Um and also like, you know, it was like I felt kind of old. Like it was like it's exciting though to be like, oh, there's like a whole new generation of people and like this is their emo and like it's happening and it's like people are into it and excited and singing the words and like it feels like a new thing again, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's been very exciting to see all of the young people coming to shows. Um, it, it's been, like, relieving to me in a weird way, just because, like, I don't know. You know, I guess you feel like you just don't know if, like, younger people are going to still be into, like, the same stuff or whatever, but I'm just glad to see that they're, like, initiatives and not just like streaming at home you know what i mean um so i've been very excited to see all the kiddos out there yeah and speaking of feeling old sometimes i look out to the audience and i imagine myself being someone's dad (laughs) there's like 14 year olds out there sometimes yeah happy they're there yeah so as a new yorker my geographical knowledge of florida is not impressive um, but did having relative proximity to the fest have an impact on pool kids early on? Um, I would say no, because I didn't even know about fest until like 
actor. I don't know. Nicolette grew up in Gainesville, so yeah. she has a big relationship with Fest, but... I feel like when Christine and I started Pool Kids, it was more of a uh, check mark of becoming a legitimate band to play rather than, like, a inspiration. Yeah. I just... Like I said, I was so unaware of this world um, my entire life, so... Um, once I learned about Fest, I was like, I, I love it, and I love Fest, and I'm so we were so excited the first time we got to play it. Um, but I had no history with it before this band. I literally started bands just to play Fest. <laughs> uh, like the whole my whole entryway into this like avenue of the music world was because I saw a, a band from Miami that I grew up like in love with pretty much. They're called Capsule. Uh, they posted about like playing Fest 8 or something like that. And I looked into it and I started discovering bands through that and seeing like, okay, like they have some bigger bands like Against Me and Municipal Waste. And, like I think I've heard of those bands. And then I was going deeper and deeper down the uh, the lineups and realizing like, damn, these are all really cool, unique bands. And so my buddies and I, like, we started a band with the sole reason of being able to play Fest. And that, like, introduced me to all the other bands that I'm friends with now. And, you know, it was like pretty much my entryway into meeting You Blew It and Dikembe, who I play with. And, yeah, like, that was an enormous, like, piece of the puzzle for me. Were there any, like, have you ever either played a particularly memorable best set or watched one of another band? Uh, yes, we have yeah. quite a few. Playing last year, I don't know if we'll ever top. Um, we were lucky enough to be able to pick where we wanted to play, and we really wanted that to be the Wooly, um, and because we just wanted like a, you know, an intimate like room that feels full and stuff, um, and. It, we flew home from like Seattle in the middle of a tour to be so able to, so like in the middle of a tour to be able to do it. And we were running on like no sleep. And we just told the crowd, like, listen, we just did all of this crazy shit to be able to be here. Like, let's all go crazy. Yeah, let's go fucking crazy. And they got the memo and it was just fucking insane. Um, so for playing that, yeah, I know Andy has some memorable ones that he's seen that he's talked about uh happy yeah two really stick out to me i saw uh good luck at fest nine and that was the first fest that i ever played or attended and just like the atmosphere in the room was like so electric i couldn't believe that 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 was like possible at a show especially one that like honestly didn't sound very good like it was kind of like a bare bones venue and the band was having like gear issues and stuff, but everyone in the crowd was just like so happy and screaming every word with like such like energy that I'll never forget it. It was like one of those like turning point moments in my life for sure. Also when Intuit Over I played at Fest 13, I want to say that was another sort of like, you know, perfect atmosphere. All the people in the crowd were like smiling and singing and like, I don't know, there was just a lot of like hugging and like joy. It was pretty amazing. Also, 
they fucking slammed that night. That was for sure. I love it to it over it. And that was such a crazy set for them. It was just amazing. Were there any moments early on for cool kids that really like changed things for the band uh, and put you on the path towards where you're at now? Uh, yeah. Getting asked by our friends to come on tour with them. Yeah. Like Bob Jeans taking us out on tour. The Wonder Years taking us out on tour. Just Friends. Just Friends. Origami the, Angel. Dikembe. Uh, into it, over it. Like, going on tour with those bands really, like, showed everybody the ropes and, like, how we need to, like, not only perform, but, like, conduct ourselves on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, they're all, like, super important building blocks to, like, how we operate this band. Yeah, and also we, like... Nicolette and I have talked about before, after we were doing all of those, like, super DIY tours that I was booking when we had, like, two cars and just were doing all this crazy shit, we, like, have talked about how we wouldn't have been able to do that for, like, too much longer if, like, things didn't pick up at all. Like, we probably would have given up eventually. Um, So being able to get on those other tours out of you know the kindness of our friends and other bands hearts like truly like is what has kept this band going speaking of the uh the wonder years tour i feel like it seems like lately the wonder years are just like on this mission to bring like all the coolest newer bands on tour with them um including cool kids what was that experience like that was amazing they're the most wonderful people yeah, they, they really treat their support bands very well, um, and they're really fun to be around, and we love playing to their crowds. We feel like we've come a long way like since then in terms of our live performance, and when we look back on their videos, I think we're a little bit disappointed in how we like sounded and performed, but um, aside from that, it was really amazing to get to play to their audiences and just be around them and learn from them. I know this is like a cheesy question everybody asks, but um, is there like a dream band you have to open for? Paramore, Paramore, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Haley, like Haley's a fan, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's not the type of thing we're ever gonna like get our hopes up about, but it just it would be a dream. Um, there's others too, though. Like we've we've honestly crossed off a lot of our dream tours, like. We wanted to tour with Pop and play shows with Beach Bunny for so long. We had talked about that for so long. And Soccer Mommy, and we're about to do Soccer Mommy now. Um, so, yeah, that's a handful. Awesome. Um, and speaking of Paramore, you did the, uh, Christine, you did the Misery Business Ska cover with Ska 2 Network. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it was fun. Jared's um, a friend of ours from Florida, and... Um, they just hit me up and were like, I don't remember if it was their idea for me to do Misery Business or if they asked me what I would want to do. I don't remember. Um, but I was just like, yes, that would be very fun. Um, and they actually came to my house to film it and because they were around in Miami. They're from South right? yes. Yeah. And I, I live in Miami now. So, um, yeah, they came by and... I felt very awkward um, jumping around on camera, like mouthing words, but it sort of prepared 
prepared me for like the music videos that we would later record. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That was very fun. I really enjoyed doing that. Are any of you um, ska fans? Ska appreciators. <laughs> I don't. Andy though has like a really. <laughs> I mean, I played in a ska band in high school, much like many people my age, it seems. Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm an appreciator. I can't really say that there's like any like true ska that I like. I kind of like the old school like specials or madness ska vibe. Uh, Streetlight Manifesto is really cool, and uh, I guess if you can consider them like ska adjacent. That band Folly from New Jersey, that like hardcore band, they have like kind of ska parts like sprinkled throughout the breakdowns and stuff. So I like Folly. Yeah. I the only type of ska that I can truly get into and like sit down and listen to is like dub. <laughs> the like super like low tempo, like delayed out vocal stuff. But other than that, I have a lot of fun at ska shows. Like I've I've been to shows, and I love the like energy and atmosphere, and I really like like the community. But I can't say I have a history with the music. My I know my boyfriend was super into it <laughs> in past years. But I was in a ska band with her boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> small world. Um. Yeah, that's cool. I I definitely think like I mean it's you know just talking about fifth wave emo ska and hardcore. It's like. I feel like all three of those post-pandemic have been popping off and having these really energetic shows. Um, that's what we need. We need a fifth wave emo, ska, hardcore, mixed bill. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, Andy, I, I think Folly counts as ska. I feel like I feel okay. like with ska, it's like if you do a little bit of it, then ska just claims you. You know, like I feel like if you're like, a super hardcore band with like one emo-ish song, you're not emo. But if you're a hardcore band with one ska song, like you're ska. I mean, I yeah. love that energy. Like I love when fan bases like embrace things like that. So that makes me like them more. <laughs> yeah, they played. Uh, they played in my hometown when I was like 16, and I had a metalcore band that opened up for them. And right as they were about to play, some guy turned me around and just sucker punched me. Oof. So I. Missed- I missed their set and like they broke up for a long time after that. And I always thought like, there's no chance I'm ever going to see Folly. And they played best last year while we were there. And they were so sick. They were awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I can't, they're back and they have new music and the new song is good. Yeah. Yeah. They shred. Um. So if any, cool kids fans are listening to this and they want to find other new bands they might like who are like say five that y'all might recommend uh king of heck yeah king of heck Woolbright is definitely they're a south florida emo band that are dear friends of us and make awesome fucking music yeah and they have new stuff coming out i don't know when but i know they're working on new stuff um fleshwater is a band we've been listening to um Glazed, another yeah. Florida band for dear band. friends of ours. Yeah. Bobby Kid. Oh, yeah. Those are. This is just the Florida, Florida recommendations section. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the Florida scene seems really awesome. I honestly like don't like I've never been to shows in Florida, um, but the scene from what I can tell from the internet seems really awesome. Yeah, yeah. we lucked out. 
some of you live in Chicago now, right? Um, Nicola and I did for like three-ish years. Um, we lived together, but we both recently just moved out um, to live with our partners. So yeah, now we're no longer Chicago, but we um, still have our practice space there. And that's still kind of the home base for the band. It's where we all fly in and meet up um, before tours where we marathon practice and do all that. So we still have some connection to Chicago. I feel like Chicago is kind of math rock and emo scene. It's just like undying forever. Has like did living there like did that kind of like I guess impact the band or the songs or anything at all? Um, I wouldn't say it impacted yeah. the music in any way, but it definitely strengthened like friendships. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that practice right across the hall from Intuit over it. There, there, there. We share a space with like members of Annabelle and, and retirement party. Yeah. Like we're we're really like ingrained in that like circle of friends and we consider them like some of our closest. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We're very um, lucky. Yeah. So what's next for Pool Kids? Um we have a few things we're playing here and there for the rest of the year. Um, like Riot Fest and Fest again um, and some other stuff. But mostly we're planning on just writing. We have been so busy this year that we haven't gotten a lot of writing done and we're sort of not as far along as I would like us to be. Um, so we're really just going to try to put our heads down and get some more songs written for whatever's next. I don't know if it's too soon to ask this, but um, I mean, the second record being such a clear leap from the first like what are you have like any goals in mind for what you might like to kind of do on the third one yeah we um we always aim to like we never want to completely abandon like our sound like we so far have never been like oh we want like a complete like change up um so we still want like you know big rock parts like we want it to go hard but um there's like a, a couple studio things we want to try out like drum machine stuff or you know things like that um i think we might there's a couple song ideas that like might be sort of like more indie leaning i guess but um i don't know we won't really know until we get cooking any like producers you'd love to work with um, should we already say we know who we're working with next? I don't know if we should like say yeah. that yet. Okay, sure. Yeah, our fifth member and like beloved like producer that did the last record and that we plan to work with for the next one is Mike Vernon Davis. Yeah, yeah, he's who did the last record and we just want to experience that again. So, what made yeah, working like with him so great? God, he's just like. A genius, yeah, genius, <laughs> genius level like production techniques and like ideas. Uh, just like his ability to world build is like pretty incredible. Uh, his yeah. personality really gels with all of ours, like, very, like, yeah, so much fun. We laugh like so fucking much, and I am like just really comfortable with him, like workshopping ideas and him telling me no and me telling him no and just bouncing off of each other and like 
I don't know. I just, it's really important for me to like link up creatively like that with someone so well. And it just like results in like very good decisions being made, um, you know, on the songs. So it was just such a like pleasant experience that we want to have that again. Awesome. Yeah. Like- it feels like we, we really only just scratched the surface with like our uh, collabs. So. Nice. Well, I can't wait to hear what you do next. Um, he's like kind of connected to Chris Walla, right? Yes. So uh, the home studio he is out of is called Hall of Justice. That's owned by Chris Walla. And there's been, a, you know, a handful of Death Cab recordings done there. And the history of the building and like the, the studio inside of there is pretty incredible. Like, you know, we're all on the floor together doing pre-production. And I was just thinking to myself, like, damn, Nirvana and Soundgarden and Fleet Foxes and Not A Surf, like, they all did the same thing that we're doing here. So it's just really special to be part of. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, anything else you feel like you want to talk about before we say goodbye? Um, I, mean, uh, I guess just come to the shows. If, like, if this comes out while we're still on the tour, you know, just get the word out about that. Yeah, everything has been really fun on this tour. Chase Petra and Sydney Sprague are like amazing to tour with. They're really inspiring for us to like follow on stage and they get the whole crowd so hyped. It's a great show from start to finish. So it's just something we're really proud of and yeah. hope that if it comes through your town, you're able to make it out. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. It's been a blast chatting. Awesome. Yeah, thank, thank you, thank you so, much. so much. Hey, thanks so much again to Pool Kids. If their headlining tour with Sydney Sprague and Chase Petra comes near you, check it out. After that, they've got shows supporting Soccer Mommy, the Mountain Goats, and more. They also play Riot Fest and the Fest. There's plenty of chances to catch them coming up, and I'm sure they're just going to keep adding tour dates because they've been touring like crazy. So definitely go see Pool Kids. Their live show is really awesome. And check out their record if you haven't. Check out the new EP, the the split with their alter egos pool. It's all very good stuff. Thank you again for listening. See you next time.